recorded live. Good morning, good evening, wherever you may be, across the nation or around the world. Once again, you're listening to the VMware Communities Roundtable Podcast. This is podcast number 402. My name is Eric Nelson. With me today, I have my co-host, John White. John, how are you doing? Doing great, doing great. And here's my, uh, my weather report. It's called the fountain at the Memphis Bay. Electric blue. Electric blue. Nice. Do they have a bridge that goes over? Did you walk over the fountain? I would love to have done that. I normally give you the, the color of the bay report, which I do every week, but it's not the color of the mountain. The problem with the color of the mountain is you have to be outside where it's 127 gazillion degrees. That's true. Very true. Wait a minute. Who was that talking? Dirk Hondell, he's our guest for the day. This is a special podcast. We're at VMworld. Uh, in the U.S. 2017. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and in the room, we also have Tony Foster, the amazing Tony Foster, with us in the room today. In flesh. In flesh. Yes, in flesh. It's, it's a rarity that I actually get to know you guys in flesh. Awesome. I know. Also in blue. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I want to match blue. the fountain. Yes. Exactly. Right. Okay. Well, on the show today, we do have Dirk here, and we're going. We've had Dirk on the podcast before, as many of you know. Uh, he's our chief open source officer uh, at VMware. So, Dirk, uh, welcome back to the show. Nice Thank you. you. Nice yeah. to be here. Uh, very exciting VMworld. All kind of announcements. All kind of buzz. Uh, great. You know, stock price is up to 107 today, so we must be doing something right. Sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, wow, you've got to pay attention to these things. But uh, so, but before we get to Dirk and open source, which the show today is open source, and just you know, talk about what we've been doing in 2017 and how you feel about it, Dirk, right? Because I know we've got VMware code, we've been doing a lot of work to try to move the ball. I think Pat Delsner has been serious about it, uh, as we talked last year. So, thought we just get a dash report on all things open source today. Uh, and I know you got a lot of stuff going on at VMworld and, and throughout the year, so we'll get to that. But before we do, we'll just talk a little bit about what's happening at VMworld. Just a few talking points here. Uh, everything has been going well at the show, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. really nice. Yep. Uh, we've been running the VMTN uh, vBrownBag tech sessions next door. They've been full. So I know if you guys have been to the VMTN community booth in years past, the tech sessions have been kind of like one or two people sitting in chairs. We got them in schedule builder this year, and they've been packed. There's been like 50 people every 15 minutes coming and going for the tech session. Yeah. So it's been good. It's amazing. I've been seeing people pull chairs up and uh, sit outside, outside the barrier. Yeah, outside the barrier, standing room. So Big Brown Bank told us they've done this in the past with other events. But the key was to get it in schedule order so people could know about the talks. The, the community talks have been very successful. That, that getting stuff into schedule builder has really revolutionized that at this show for us. Right. The other thing we did was, uh, from a community perspective, we, we launched the VMTN network program, which is um, much like the VXWorks program where we were making VXWorks famous. The VMTN network program is a program for community channel owners who do podcasts, who have blogs, who have branded properties. And how do we drive the VMTN network program is how do we drive traffic from VMware.com to these, uh, these branded channels by community members. So we've got over 100 branded channels. So sign up to that, uh, which is kind of cool. And then we launched Blogbeat. We've been giving, a, giving away cool Blogbeat posters, so that has been going well as well. Awesome. Final last thing I have is we did have a VMware Code Hackathon, 
think we had 250 people at the hackathon. Uh, ran, we did training sessions. The training sessions were all booked. So uh, Amazon Echo training to vSphere API, REST API training, a couple others. Those were all booked. So really, really nice event uh, for code. The interesting thing about code, since Dirk is here, is that I look at the code uh, stuff. We did have one of the tracks as open source, and I think that one was booked as well, 50 people in that one. Um, but I still feel it, it's not really open. Like what we do with code is more DevOps, more IP guys trying to figure out how to build more automated scripts instead of creating Power CLI. They're starting to use you know, web technology, REST APIs. A little bit different than a true developer program where you're actually getting heavy duty coders in there. We have some, I would say maybe we had 10% that were there, but still, you know, momentum and, you know, I think we had 400 people show up. So I, that's, you know, it's, it's moving, moving the needle, needle, having people pay attention to code now as opposed to in the past. I definitely uh, heard great feedback on the uh, training classes. Uh, I think that if we wanted to get, you know, Heavy duty, like actual, like you know, software engineers here. We might need to involve like the cloud foundry people, or just the open source cloud foundry people. Um, in addition, maybe uh, with the wavefront technology being part of a product portfolio, maybe a, a class or something next year on how to instrument uh, wavefront from directly into your application. That's uh, kind of the Yeah. But I'm thinking this is a shift that we have seen over the last couple of years, that we actually start to, to be more interested in having developers here. And it takes the time for, for us to build the right content for them, but also for them to be interested in to be even looking at what we're offering. So I, I am actually quite excited to see the, the uptake of more developers, more people with a development focus, whether it's a DevOps focus or an app dev focus. I really, I don't think, uh, I, I, not to criticize you, no, 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 but I don't no. think there is this much of a hardcore versus not. Or these are all developers. They're just developing in different environments, maybe in different right, languages, right, right. different purposes. But they're all developers, and I love to see them here. And I want to see more here yeah, next year. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and we are definitely looking next year at how would because we have 400. Right, you know, once you reach four, five, five hundred, we double that number again. You can actually have a, almost a half day you know, event, or maybe even a full day event where or maybe a track. Yeah, with we do tracks, but tracks get lost in the in the Uber land of all the sessions. Um, we have done that in the past, but some type of an event where you come for you know X number of hours, it's very dedicated, and everybody's together. Uh, when you have five, six hundred people, then they all cross from each other. So we are trying to do more than just a track. Maybe the network folks did that with mm -hmm. their their Wednesday Thursday event, right? Yes. Where we're maybe talking about if we can double this again and get enough people interested. Uh, you know, bring in some big speakers, bring in some good, you know, guys that write code. Uh, Waves on certainly an acquisition that has a lot of APIs, but other ones. And then, you know, see if we can keep that momentum going. So, yeah, good event. Yeah, double this 10 years in a row and you have a crop. That's right. I tell people that. They, you know, they always say, like, oh, you know, what? your community must not be doing very well. It's kind of small. I'm like, you know, communities like building a campfire start with really small shavings and you put them on and you don't let anybody get any water on it and, and you put some sticks on it and you know then pretty soon once you want to you got like split wood on it and then pretty soon you have a fire, right? But it's growing that year after year after year. It's hard work and it's people like Dirk and everybody that just, you know, takes VMware in a direction and builds messaging and builds product that, that people can listen to and start to think about. Right? So yeah. Which is a good transition, right? Unless 
Anybody else have any? Uh, Tony, what's your impression on VMworld? Anything you want to share with the audience? So, impression of VMworld, it's been absolutely phenomenal. I've made three or four sessions, which is up for me quite a bit. Uh, the uh, keynotes have been pretty good. Real nice being over here in the uh, community lounge. I really like the setup this year. Yeah. Uh, real nice low registration was uh, different this year, and it was actually real quick to move in and out and get everything picked up. Nice, nice. Yeah, I really like that, that we have the village and the show floor connected. Last year with the two floors, that was kind of awkward. That seems much more than all one product. Yeah, we got way more traffic this year because we're all in the solution yeah. exchange and this whole area is all interconnected. John, what do you think? The year over in the labs part, yeah. part of the time? Absolutely. Yeah, so uh, the labs have been amazingly busy. I think uh, it was 2014 when we uh, first transitioned to labs to be available after the show. Um, so I think that uh, they haven't been, maybe there's like a slight downtick because of that, but there's been times when we've been fully booked and there's been a line out the door. Uh, people keep on asking me what the, the top labs are. The top uh, five, here I'll, I'll tell you, uh, number one is getting started with NSX. It's been number one for the past three years in a row. Uh, and that has uh, 807 uh, people completing the lab. Uh, 588 people completing getting started with VFAN. That's number two. And number three with 480 completions is getting started with VMware Cloud on AWS. This is a product that we only announced on Monday. All right, but it was number one at certain points on Sunday. Okay, um, that was with no announcement, you know, only a tech preview, and uh, and also capped at 100 people to lose the cloud at the same time. So that's fantastic. Number three is getting uh, what to do with feature 6.5, uh, 397 people, and then number five, Verizon uh, uh, 7, getting started with Verizon 7, 350. Yeah, that's interesting. I just have one thing to add on the AWS thing. I was wondering, you know, would people really want to consume AWS from VMware? Right? I know that they want to put vSphere over there. That makes total sense. But do you want to buy it from us versus buy it from AWS and then just run vSphere and, and, and then build connections? Uh, and almost everybody I've talked to, SEs that you know, I'm engaged with here at the show, all say their customer base says, yeah, they want to just buy it from VMware. You know, have it make it work. Have vSphere across both data centers, their data center, AWS, and then just purchase it from VMware, just like they buy vSphere licensing, and have it all work. Right. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I got that message over and over. And if you had asked me that before the show, I would have like, ah, I don't know. I'm not so old that that you know we're going to be able to you know offer customers any kind of different differentiated value proposition when it comes to. You know, setting up your AWS, but it, it seems like it's really, really popular, and you know, I've, many people have said, yeah, my customers want me to do it for them. It's, it's, yeah, it's the whole build to buy uh, idea. I can build it myself and spend time building it, or I can go innovate. Right. All right, not to get too off topic, so we're, we, were, we were talking about code and developers, so let's get back there. So Dirk, welcome back to the show. Um, for people that maybe are just listening to this for the first time, just give us a minute or two. What do you do? Where have you been? Tell us a little bit about yourself, and then we'll get into it. I've been doing software development open source for about 30 years, so I was one of the first Scroll developers. Um, I've been around in that place for quite a while. Um, maintained X386. Um, um, came 
became the CTO of SUSE, and from there, about 16 years ago, we went to Intel and built up the open source program at Intel for almost 15 years. And I've been with VMware now for a little over a year, and I'm building up the open source program of this year and having a blast, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's, it's really been great to have you. Like, like you are your immense amount of experience with the open source community, uh, open foundation, all, all of that. So, um, that you're here. What do you think? What's your impressions over the first year? I think it's it's a fascinating thing to come into a company that everyone from the outside sees as a very proprietary software company. Then you go to the inside, and you see that the engineers all are very much the same. And there is tremendous interest in in building great solutions. There is a lot of of focus on technical expertise, and this all plays in into the ways in which open source communities work. And we have a lot of very open source developers, and we're gaining more and more, building up an open source technology center, which is focused on, on upstream development. And um, it's been it's been interesting to see how welcoming and how open the company has been to the ideas that I brought, and how many people would say, oh yeah, I've been kind of doing this, and now I can do it officially and in public, and I can talk about it. But there have been so many people inside, so many engineers already been engaged in open source for, for decades by themselves. Um, it, it's been very rewarding. So I have some of the goals that you started out with oh, uh, way back when we had you on last time. And I thought we would just okay, get through them. My performance review on the podcast. <laughs> 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 great put you up on that. Yeah. <laughs> One of them was improve our internal processes around open source. So uh, I know you've been working on that. What's your assessment? How hard has it been? Have you been able to make some progress? So this is one of those, you know, Improving process is always a scary topic to take on because it's hard. It, it, it's a slow-moving machinery. It takes a lot of people. You need to get the tools right. You need to get everyone on the same page. And you cannot interrupt the things that are already working. So we've been on this for a little over a year, and I think we have made phenomenal pro progress. We have created a separate way for our SaaS product, like the, the AWS product, um, to create their OSLs and create their compliance certification. We have overall improved the tooling. We have improved the cooperation between the program management, the release management, the engineers, the legal teams. So I think we've made phenomenal progress in this space. And we have some, some internal feedback from the, from the release management teams that they love what we've done. But I'll be honest with you, there is still a long way to go. I know. I know when you started, I remember, I'll just interrupt it, like, when you came here, there were, like, people that were afraid to do open source because, you know, legal had threatened people, or they, they could lose their job. We, we didn't have any process around, you know, how to, and maybe that's overstating, men, but I know there was, there was, you know, there was, there was not good process and there was, I would you know, say, concern. I would say that process for outbound contributions really was very awkward and very opaque and and sometimes the ball got dropped and so we have completely redone this. We have a new tool to do this, typical turnaround time from an engineer saying I want to contribute to this project to having all the approvals that they need is usually less than two days. Oh, that's, and, that's amazing. And, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, and, and we, we have a program manager, Lauren, who works dedicated on that and she reaches out to people on Slack and there's really, really strong support for anybody who wants to contribute. And that has, of course, in return, pushed about contributions. 
Right, and that, that's our second, you know, point of, uh, that you had for goal, which was what a coincidence. Yeah, what a coincidence. <laughs> increase our contributions to open source communities. So. Yeah, so this is one of those things where I'm always very uh, uh, um, skeptical of metrics because um, you know you, you can't improve what you can't measure, but once you define a measure event, engineers will find out a way to game it. So um, <laughs> I. I there's, there's this old saying when people say, I, I pay you 10 bucks for every bug that you fix. And then in the build of uh, uh, script, then Wally says, I'm going to program myself a new yacht. <laughs> so um, careful what you ask for. But so the way I look at this is A, I look at the raw commit counts. And we are up about 30% year over year actually on that. So that's good. But I also look at impact. I look at what are we doing that makes a difference? Where are we seen as a valuable contributor? Where do companies come to us and say, hey, this is awesome. I want you guys to review something. And kind of inversely, when suddenly other people in the same ecosystem are starting to feel threatened by you, when they're saying, oh, what are the VMware guys doing? So that to me was, was a great example of us clearly making a difference and being noticed in the community right. suddenly showing up a lot more with a lot more force. Just whether it's back in the community. Right? Yeah. 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 Right. How so about a stream of commit? Like I, I remember that was one of the things that you mentioned before, like not doing like a yearly dump uh, uh, on, onto a project. Like, I'll give, give you a great example. So um, our open VM tools used to be released as a single commit every six to nine months all the changes in one commit, here it is, waterfall. <laughs> More like brick dropping. <laughs> and this has completely changed. So we now commit the individual fixes for bugs in, in the repository so you can see what's happening, you can see the individual changes. We're still working on improving this even more, just in the integration of the different tools that we're using. But you can see the change in approach, the change in behavior just a much more open source friendly methodology that we use in developing our code and then bringing it out to the community. So have you seen an increase in uh, the consumption of that since you've made that change? So I don't have statistics for the open game tools to be honest with you. I have certainly seen a significant interest in, in what we're doing overall. My favorite example, and we talked about this last time on your podcast, Clarity. If you look at the engagement by the community with Clarity, which is a software design system that we've open source. And we now see third-party companies put out bids for, for individual designers to, to do work for them. And one of the conditions in the bid is it has to be on clarity, which means completely different environment. They have nothing to do with the environment. They just say, this is such a great tool. We want you to use the tool to build our UI. That's the level of success. Yeah, this is very, very encouraging. Yeah, and that's interesting because it's not like we're getting in the tools business. We're just in the open source business, and we have great technology that people are looking at, at, at using for other stuff. But the thing is, this is not a charity. This is not us doing it because, oh, it's the right thing, or we want to do some good. Fundamentally, this is the tool that we use to build our UIs with. And we open source this tool. We get feedback from a ton of highly qualified designers. We get some code contributions, we get lots of ideas for improvements. And so this year, when we use this updated tool to build our UIs, we have a better tool. We create better UIs. We as a company benefit from doing that. And that really is the magic behind open source. 
that you want to create this virtuous cycle. You want to create this environment where you give to the community, the community uses it, improves it, and that all comes back to you as a better result. And overall, it's, it's, you get more benefit than you invested in the open source. Are we starting to see some open source leaders in you know in engineering coming out where you know I know there's projects and you know, there's you look at people that are really contributing or really helping drive the direction of some of these projects. Are we starting to see some of these people come up from engineering? So this is one of those things that we're currently working on just to create reasonably relevant statistics and, and, and data that we can use to quantify who are the key contributors, who are the people who are really making a difference. Because we want to create an internal award and, and avoid yeah. a little bit of competition around that. But right now the challenge is you have to have a way to measure this that is a little harder to, to gain than just say number of commits. Yeah. Right. So right. so that that's still in the works. Right. But yeah, yeah. I, I'm very excited to see some people come up. Sure. So there I'll give you a, I'll give you a measure. Um, I want to know the first time that somebody makes a principal engineer and one of the one of the reasons is their uh, commitment to open source. Oh, not, not purely, but one of the reasons. So would you say that Benfop counts? Because uh, yeah, okay. Benfop is a principal engineer. Okay. And he certainly is a principal engineer based on his work on open research. Okay. Or Mark Peak. One of the key contributors to FreeBSD has been a kernel committer there for more than a decade. Admittedly, maybe he didn't become a PE because of that, but now we have high-profile, phenomenal open-source people. And in my team, I have a few very, very strong people who come in purely because of their expertise and their track record in open-source. So yeah, we, I, I think we're already there. Okay, so maybe that's, uh, maybe that's something we can publicize out of the world. It's like, here's our PEs, that, and some of the main reasons that they're a PE is their open-source market. Yeah. That sounds like a great idea. Yeah, it, it seems like there's some role we could play in this, in that you're, the work you're doing is a lot like the work we do, where we're trying to build community and we're trying to identify key experts and then reward them and get them excited and give them exposure. And I, I think that it sounds a lot like what you're trying to do with people in engineering. And maybe we should figure out how to you know, engage and evangelize some of that activity so that more people know about it and can, can participate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. So another one that, that you had was release more of our own work as open source projects. Yeah, I mean, we've done that. We have uh, released in this, this year alone 29 open source projects that have hit GitHub. We actually have a pipeline of more that are just in the process of getting there. So we certainly have increased our, our uh, participation there. There's a little twist to that because the absolute number of new projects yeah, that's not, yeah. has actually gone down because we have started to weed out some of the things that are more in the nature of a code dump or a dump and run or a, oh, this is actually sample code, not right. open source project. So we moved those into the VMware sample domain on GitHub. So we're trying to be a little bit more consistent in what we're doing. But the number of, of projects where I would say this is a strong Project. contribution yeah. that the community will care about and that will help us as, as VMware and will help the community, um, there's definitely improvement. Yeah, I think in, this, in the community space we do the same thing when we get an effort and try to do something focused in an area.
the first thing we have to do is we have to go through and find all the little instances that people have created. You know, they may know a bunch of them, and we have to get them all together and weed all the ones out. There was like one guy did it in a weekend, and now he's never been back. So you do that, but then you get much, a much nicer presentation, and then the projects are stronger. So yeah, that makes sense. It always reminds me of the Mythbusters episode of Cash Burning. Because that is that's one of my favorite Mythbusters episodes, but it gets this myth. Is it hard for her? Because you see the two of them trying to get cast into a defined area. It, it's hilariously funny, but it's very much the description of my day job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could I could definitely see that. Um, so so that's good. I've seen that uh, we have a, a nice GitHub page now. VMware does that showcases the project. Done with clarity. Yes. It's very, very good. Yeah, you know, you can't just promote it. You've got to use it. You've got to be self-consistent. So we have we are starting to, to update many of the individual project pages with Clarity, but the main landing page now is with Clarity. That's funny. It, it, you know, we are more the UI UX company, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know, yeah. we, have, we have a ton of expertise that you wouldn't expect. Right. But yeah. it's just... All the things that come together to build solid products create a ton of expertise there in the middle. We, we released just recently CHAP, uh, a tool, a memory debugging tool. So you can use a core dump under Linux and you can find any memory leaks that you have. There's a complete analysis of all allocations, all pointers against the, the heat map that you have and gives you a report of every memory leak. One of those things, probably not a tool this company. But of course we build that because our software typically runs for a very, very long time on the server to memory leaks are critical to us to be able to analyze. And we've open sourced this tool so that others can use it. Yeah, that's the, the beauty of this kind of effort is once you get the fire burning bright, brighter and brighter, you can just have interesting projects that come up that because you know we're doing a lot of things where we have tons of software engineers doing all kinds of things, but if you get this effort going, you can take more of these things and make them open source, and you have enough contributions, enough people there that it, it's real, and, yeah. and people can use it and derive value. I can definitely imagine that virtual cycle, especially on a tool like that, for memory, memory dominance, because that's something that not just we do, but that's the entire Linux you know, server uh, ecosystem. So if people are using this tool, and people can look at the code, people can contribute back, and maybe uh, make some suggestions, and then everybody benefits. I mean, again, perfect cycle. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Which, which is great. You get, a, you get a fire burning. We talked about how you start these things. You get little twigs, put them on burn. You get a bigger, bigger fire. I, I um, get this view that Eric is a closet arsonist. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> is there a childhood story you need to share now, Eric? No, not at all. No, nothing at all. Um, you, you know, we don't have a uh, silk in here, so I don't Yeah, know. yeah, and I, I don't have enough money to pay you to help debug my, <laughs> my fire issues. Um, to double down, another one you had was to double down on our engagement with Linux, uh, the Linux Foundation. And I think, you know, what we're doing here is nice, but we're, you know, we're an $8 billion company. We should be able to also help, you know, uh, from a bigger corporate standpoint, yeah. so I so, think that was one of those goals. At the beginning of this year, we upgraded our membership to the Linux Foundation to gold. Uh, shortly thereafter, I was elected as one of the three gold representatives to the board. So out of the 25 gold members that the Linux, uh, let me double check on this number, something in the two dozen range, 
gold members. I was elected on the board. Never listen to this podcast anyway. You don't have to worry. I, I, I be, be careful with the numbers. Right. It's, it's right. too dangerous. But so that's, 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 that's great. It's fantastic. And it, we announced yesterday in the keynote um, platinum membership at the CNCF, um, the Cloud Computing Foundation. We're doing a lot more with the consortia. We are engaged in, in what I consider, of course, since I run this, what I consider the key groups in this space, whether it's CII for infrastructure initiative, whether, whether it's um, the open, uh, com, uh, uh, open container initiative, a lot of these, even things like hyperledger around, around uh, distributed ledgers. There's a lot of work that we're doing in, in large open source communities that we are now supporting through memberships in the corresponding consortia. We certainly have dramatically increased our visibility in the space. Yeah, that's, yeah. I, I can just sit and repeat that's fantastic, right? Like, <laughs> just keep saying that, right? Um, it's a lot of work. Right? It's a lot of fun, and I see you said I have four goals, and on all four, I said I did really well. So I think we should take this podcast, send it to my boss, and make sure that he, you know, gets. Well, and I, and I would say, and I know we have a couple other subjects to cover here, but we just covered this as your goals, right? Which you have. Good job. You, you did great. Thank <laughs> you. You get your stock options in your page. Oh, it's going to be amazing. You're just going to, oh, yeah, wow. Um, it, it is a lot of work, and when you first started a year ago, I kind of chuckled and went, oh, this poor guy, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, I know the culture of the empire. Right? It's funny because right. you and everyone else that I met. Yeah, and, and right. it was our culture, right? It, it, it's hysterically funny that every person that you meet, every executive you talk to says, do you understand what you got yourself into? It's really encouraging when you come into a new company and everyone says, right. oh, oh, oh God, you yeah. poor guy. Yeah. But, you know, a year later, I have to say, it's been a phenomenal journey because with all the challenges, whether it's cultural, whether it's in our internal tooling, in the way we reward things, in, you know, a lot of the internal mechanics of the company, fundamentally in the belief in, in excellence, in the, in the belief in engineering, in, in the belief of how people view our technology and how it can augment what's being done in open source, how it can create growth opportunities there. It has actually been a really, really positive experience. And the other thing that I have to say about VMware, uh, I was impressed throughout this time with the ability of people to look at challenges, to look at, at my point of view and say, oh, okay, so let's change what we're doing. The willingness to accept change, to drive change, to embrace change, is fascinating. And, and having come from the hardware industry where you know, things are a little more, the typical product roadmaps are five years into the future. Right. And, and once the product is, is fewer than 24 months away, nothing can change. First right. right. year at VMware, we look at what the customers say, we look at what our partners say, we look at what's happening in the, in the community, in the industry, and we are able to, to make adjustments, to drive change, and to, to run into a slightly improved direction. And that has been fantastic. Yeah, I, I, I understand what you're saying because when I came to VMware, I came from Sun Microsystems, which was a hardware company, right? They also did a lot of software, but fundamentally their their persona was 
that, right? Everything has to be architecture approved, right? You look at all the APIs. Nothing got done in less than a year, right? By the time you had to get approval for everything. And, you know, even if you want to do marketing and branding, you had to, they have that same culture, right? Where, when I came to VMware, like, I, I tell people, what's the biggest difference? I go, VMware's a yes company. The, everybody inside of VMware, the culture is just, Yes, sometimes we stumble over how to get everything done we say yes to, but really it is a yes culture. So the other thing is, and, and this sounds, you can you say this loud, you know, through, through, people are nice. Yeah. It is so weird. I, I don't want to diss my previous employer, which I'm not going to mention my name right now, but having everyone be nice to you and not always wonder who's going to stab me in the back next is really refreshing. Yeah. I love that when you engage with people, everyone says, how can I help you? And they mean it. Right. That's awesome. And I, I think the culture started from I love VMware. It was such a cool thing to make this a machine out of software that there was never any of this, like, you know, you're doing it, I'm doing it. You know, like, it was just so much fun to do with it. And then that became kind of VMware culture, right? So, it, we, but I did smile at you when you came, right? But I, I got to say, you have made a difference. You have really moved the needle, and I see us turning into more of an open source contributor, more of an open, people think about it now, it's for real, so, you know, good job. Yeah, Thank you. Really Thank good you. job. There is a, a section uh, on the show for Solutions Exchange. Uh, the CCO, here's all the open source, uh, you know, or not all, here's a sampling yeah. of open source projects that are going on at uh, VMware. And it was actually pretty funny because some of the other teams, the product teams, we're really envious that we have this much space and that we are at the back walls, we are spread out, so it looks really big. So there is this big display of open source and they are parked like one single monitor. Right. It, it's funny how much space we're devoting to this, but it shows how important it is. And it's interesting to see the interactions with the people who come by. Some of them who are saying, oh, you're doing open source, we No, we're doing this. It's even internal people, by the way. And then others who are open source engagement. Oh, it's super great, allowed. And there are much more conversations along those lines. Right. But it's been it's been really nice to have the ability to have this in the solutions exchange and give it that visibility. Right. Good. Well, all right, so we're three quarters of the way through uh, the podcast. Um, and you know, we've talked about what we've done. I, I want to upload a little bit, talk a little bit about the industry, right? And some of the stuff we've talked about, Internet of Things, small devices, you know, we have products all over the place. I'm, I'm, I spend a little time, my son does hardware engineering for, for a company that does some really interesting AI stuff. Uh, so I got exposure to some of the architecture of that. Systems on chips and small SOCs and really little, you know, 15 cent devices. And, and I just see this, you know, going everywhere. And uh, some of the work they do, or he does, is, you know, they, they put OSs on it and they, they put Linux, they put open source. And so I'm wondering, what are you feeling like the industry, or at least the open source people are doing, around you know all the small device proliferation that's happening? Are the the it's such a small devices, there's not giant money in each one, but how is the open source industry reacting to the proliferation of all the devices everywhere, the Internet of Things, or whatever we want to term we want to call that? Um, you know, you you guys are you're close to the, the Linux Foundation. What's the response to the industry? So I, I think a lot of the, especially the smaller companies, the, the more innovative places, the, all the, the people who are trying to look for opportunities there, a lot of what they're doing is based on open source. 
whether it's the Linux kernel or then something like Zephyr or Ecos on the smaller end, whether it's the infrastructure they use on top, whether it's a stripped down micro JavaScript or maybe a, a little C runtime or whatever they're building their, their solutions in, that most of this tends to start out in open source because it drops your cost, it accelerates your development model, it allows you to, to very, very swiftly experiment with different possible solutions. So we've seen tremendous use of open source in the experimentation phase. What the challenge with this is that unless you actually understand what you're doing, open source is like having a wonderful chainsaw. You can do great <laughs> stuff with it, but you can also create the webcam with the public open SSH port with admin and password as credentials that you cannot turn off. So there is this, there is on the one hand this wonderful opportunity, on the other hand, I'm really concerned about the amount of connected devices we're inviting into our house, into our car, into you know every part of the environment that could very easily be turned into little time. It's funny you mention that because one of the red flags they had on their project was they had an SOC, they had a, a microphone because it was listening to stuff and I, I can't tell, you know, it, it's logical, it's you, if I, I can't talk about who that is, um, but they had a, uh, a software button that would mute the mic or not mute the mic. Right. And what they recognized, because they had open source and whatever, none of the engineers really looked at like how hard would it be to actually hack into this device and then just turn the mic on even though the button was off, right? And so they, they, had, they got into this whole problem and had to delay their product because they, they realized that you know, this could actually happen to them and they hadn't really considered it. But you saw that earlier this year when the security researcher's website was videos, uh, right? And it turned out that this largest DDoS attack ever by Batman was perpetrated by um, webcams and baby monitors. And someone had weaponized those as a network of more than 600,000 internet-connected devices, all attacking this one website to get the website of this guy off the internet. So, yes, this is not... I have never heard that story. Okay. Tell me, tell me that story again. I, 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 Holy smokes. So they, 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 they hacked internet uh, baby monitors with and then have it do a denial of service on, yes. on a given domain name or IP yes. address. Yes. Well, well, now, well, part of the uh, internet of things business model is the you know, legal viability of, of having your uh, device participate. Well, but one of the problems is that people don't think about what does it take to update the software? How can I, how can I manage this device? How can I deal with networking? How can I deal with all of the of having an internet connected device that likely sits directly on the internet. But of course, we can now turn this podcast into a conversation on where are the operational strengths of the where and where do we have things to contribute in this space. But from an open source open perspective, source. Yeah, we're just this, talking is, open source. this yeah. is scary. Yeah. And, and this is something that a lot of, of startups are completely undervaluing. Because it's so easy, you, you pull down the sources, you use your Yocto build system. And create an image, off you go, ship tomorrow. Oh, I was supposed to do a software update because the OpenSSL version in there is easy right. act. I don't know how to do that. So, so the open source, the foundation, and are, are the, is the community starting to think about what to do about this problem? So the core infrastructure initiative is talking a lot about best practices to create secure appliances and secure devices and secure 
first steps. There's a lot of conversations about how to do remote updates, how to be able to secure systems, how do you verify your own process. So the Linux Foundation is putting a lot of effort into making it easier for people to do the right thing. But still, it is, you, in open source, you're giving people a very powerful tool. And the powerful tool that, that you use incorrectly can be very, very dangerous. And, and you might not know, know anything about this, but are the smaller device people that do use the open source you know, software to, to run these things, are they contributing back? Are they, are they engaging in open source? So traditionally, if you if you look at the people who worry about GPL enforcement, who worry about the this whole culture of just using versus giving back, traditionally one of the biggest areas of concern are indeed the embedded devices, because very often this is three engineers working on a project for three months, they ship it and they never touch it again, because then they put on the next device. And, and there is a whole industry that is built around fire and forget. And, and that's part of the problem. So no, I don't think the culture of contributing back, the culture of engaging the community has reached those markets. No. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. All right, well, great. Um, you know, last thing is you must have some goals and objectives moving us forward. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, you know, you don't have to share any of you if you want to, but Based what are some big things that we can do? Podcast. I I feel slightly hesitant to put goals on the table because I I can see ourselves sitting here in a year at the Emerald and redoing my performance review. I'm not sure. I want to encourage that. But no, I mean for us in in, in the open source program office, the goals haven't really changed. We've made great progress, but it's a path and it's something where we want to continue to get better. Whether it's the internal tooling, without our contributions to third-party projects, whether it's our own projects. I mean, obviously, with the PKS announcement this week, we will become major contributors to Bosch, to Kubernetes. We're going to engage in these projects much more than we have done in the past. We've already been engaged to some degree. But to me, it is very much a continuation of this path. And when when I got hired and, and the execs asked me, so you know, how long is it going to take? And my response was, you know, if I'm super lucky and in three years we've turned the ship, that would be fantastic, but that would be an aggressive goal. So I'm a year into this. I, I think we can pretty much keep the same goal, just yeah. refresh them. But that that's where I see ourselves going. You know, that's what all my employees say, right? They're like, no, no, really, I just want to keep what I'm doing what I'm doing. So, you know, I, mean, I think we're going to have to raise the bar a little bit if you're going to come back next year and expect a better review. <laughs> so, I, I will talk to my admin how to handle future invitations. <laughs> well, I would like to say, you know, you are all over the place, and, you know, you're a VP, right? So, and, you know, we don't get the that many VPs come on our podcast, right? I mean, how many VPs have we had? Like, Dirk, right? Like, yeah, that's, yeah, I think that's it. So I, I think it's great to still have you have a sense of humor, be real, work with people. You know, that that's, that's you're a community guy, and uh, we appreciate it. That's we the highest praise that Eric has. <laughs> <laughs> that's the, that's the highest praise that I have. I mean, yeah. that's what it's all about. I, I tell people what I love about open source is that it's a social phenomenon. It's about people, about relationships, about trust, about perception. That's what makes it interesting every single day.
and plug the work. Yeah, and uh, we appreciate you being at VMware doing it, right? Because it was a big boat, and you, you've started turning. Uh, so thanks, thanks a lot for that. Thank you. Uh, anything else before we we, we let go? We've uh, it's been great to be at VMworld. We finally got podcast studios with a slightly large loud fan, but I, I, I actually look forward to listening to that. I hate hearing my voice, but I want to hear how much of that fan yeah. made it into the recording. Made it. <laughs> It's actually not that bad. You can't really hear it on the app. Yeah. Let's see what that. Eric's audacity magic. Yeah, I'm going to be sitting there. <laughs> I have like 30 or 40 automatic filters, though, and some of them are like really interesting. They, they quoted some like keep buzz out. Uh, I had uh, I've had Sanjay Poonin on a podcast, and he so was on a, BB, Yeah, it wasn't this podcast, okay. though. It was his podcast, and I was the tech for it. Oh, okay. Right? So, like, I don't think it's quite the same as him coming down and hanging with us. Well, oh, Eric, I'm not going to let you just slide past that. The fact that we have two podcast studios at VM for, for community people to book and do their own podcast here is pretty amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. I've seen it fully booked, too. Like, with the exception of the fans. Yeah. We'll in the fans corners, but, yeah, no, it was, uh, it was one of the community, I forgot who it was, you know, just you know, tweeted at us that it did direct sweep on man, I wish we could have some podcast studios. And I thought, yeah, that's a great idea. I replied back, why not? Great idea. I'll see if I can put some budget to it. And we did. It's like five K per studio for the you know, they build it out for us. So we have a couple. And yeah, we put out a schedule and they've been pretty booked all, all throughout the show, so it's been great. So what we'll do is we'll record the fan with nothing else. And then we'll yeah, yeah, just, yeah. Sorry, we just subtract that. You can, you can do that. They make, they make systems on chip that will do that. So. <laughs> this is Audacity, which is an open source file. It, it is. It is. It I do use it. Brings us full circle. It does, and we will, we will edit out that fan noise for sure. Sir, <laughs> thanks for being on the show. Thank you, thanks for coming back. And I hope that you're still there next year, and you, and we'll, we'll bring <laughs> you back if you can work on those goals. Okay. All right. Thanks Thank a lot, you. everybody, for listening, and we'll be back again next week. And then uh, the following week is VM World Europe. If you haven't registered, get out there. Uh, we'd love to see everybody in Barcelona. It's going to be fun. I heard the Barcelona numbers are way up, and so should be more people there. Should be really fun. We have a podcast booth at Bar Barcelona. We have one podcast booth at Barcelona, okay. so okay. you can book that and, and do get a podcast. Book it. Okay. Yeah. All right, going to hit the bed, red stop button. Tony, thanks for being here as always, and we'll see everybody again next week.